The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hi there. Welcome. Welcome. This is Gwendolyn. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and welcome to our weekly radio show, The Visual Workplace, where we let the workplace speak. So we are in deeply in a series of um, looking at the role of leaders in visual leadership within the context of the visual workplace. We're looking at mechanisms, visual mechanisms that will help leaders become more effective. In the visual workplace, we are looking at missing information that causes struggle, missing information that causes what we call motion. That's the name of the enemy, motion. That's the name of the major, major waste, moving without working. You can think of it as non-value adding, but if you do, you will often miss the point of what visuality does and what the problem is. If you think of visuality as a strategy for attacking waste, which it is, you miss the granularity because the granularity brings you to the understanding that that waste is made up of missing information. That waste takes the form of questions. In an environment where there are many questions, you know visuality is not there, or not there more strongly enough. In an environment where there are many questions, you know that people will respond one of two ways. They will either get aggressive, go after those answers, wonder why they're not there, or, and become a little combative on the way, angry, or they will go in the other direction. They will go in the direction of nothing, of numbness, of indifference, of disconnecting. Because our lives, and especially at work, our lives are built on the exchange of information. We are communicating beings. We are, in fact, visual beings, beings of our senses. And we are constantly absorbing information from our environment on the outside, and in our environment on the inside. And when we go to work, we have that same being. We are that same person. We have that same need for information. That information gives us context, gives us meaning, gives us a framework for expressing ourselves. So in an environment that is bereft or short of information, 
is an environment that is difficult for us, that is challenging simply because the information isn't there. So if you reduce visuality to a waste reduction strategy or a strategy that simply makes the differentiation between normal and abnormal, you miss like 99% of its power. And by missing it, you expect less of it, and you also accept less of it. But in fact, if we think of visuality as a language and also a language for leadership, not just operations, but for leading those operations and for leading all the functions of an enterprise into a destination, towards a destination that we want, that has been designed, then we can talk about alignment. Then we're able to align through visuality, which is one of its main, main, main outcomes. Alignment. Sustainment is also part of that. How can you sustain that which does not exist? And I will tell you, if information does not exist in a physical form, in the form of a visual device, it is unsustainable. It is just breath. It's just, it's just, my father used to tell me that when I was a kid. He was actually a scholar. This is a very, very tense man. Daniel Donato Galsworth, that wasn't his real name. We were never able to uncover what his real name was, but (laughs) but my mother once described it as, I didn't know whether to spit it or mm, data it. (laughs) It had a lot of Z's and T's and a lot of consonants. But he was he was a scholar, even though he was uh, he was a journalist. He went to the uh, to the Russian Revolution in 1917, for heaven's sakes, as a journalist. Went through the underground, the Italian underground. Although he Swiss he was Swiss born, the Italian underground, and then the um, Russian underground. He learned how to speak Russian on the way. He was very very gifted in languages. Fabulous, uh, eccentric, iconic figure. Very very strong, adventuresome youth. But at any rate, uh, he, um, <laughs> I think I pretty much, <laughs> I think I've missed the point of what I was about to say. <laughs> oh, he, he used to quote uh, Greek scholars and he said to me when, you know, I would tell him, oh, Pop, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. He would say, sis, he always called me sis. He said, sis, the air is breath. No, I'm sorry, the words are breath. They mean nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Meaning, oh, so you say, so you say, show me, do it. <laughs> and, you know, that's the way it is in the workplace. If the workplace is not, if the operational system is not embedded through visual devices, it basically doesn't exist. A few people retire. A few other people um, get promoted and out of the way. A few other people, God bless them, pass on, and your your operations don't exist <laughs> because they're all held, you know, in the kind of electronic systems of our internal state, and they're not devices. So in this show, we look at aspects of visuality as a language of operations, as a language of your excellence, and we are always looking to embed it. And in the series we're in now, which is the Visual Leadership Principles and Practices of Visual Leadership series, we are looking for mechanisms that embed leadership behavior. We're focusing now, and for the last four or five shows, and for probably another two shows, three shows to come, on supervisory leadership, what we call becoming a leader of improvement, then we will shift to executive leadership, which is also called becoming a leader of improvement. But 
the mechanisms, the visual devices that support the executive are different. They're connected to and they're aligned with, but they're different from those that support the supervisors. So we're on the supervisors now. And the supervisors are, right now we're talking about metrics. We will continue to talk about it. I am finally getting to the point in this show, a little bit last show, this show and the next show, in sharing with you what I've discovered about metrics. And it is so powerful because supervisors can lead through metrics, through measurement systems, instead of being saddled with them and hassled by them. But they have to be constructed in a particular way. They have to contain the voice of the user, and they have to do something else. And we're going to talk about that today when we talk about stack metrics. But first, let me make just a couple of announcements, because I must. I want to direct your attention to our website, visualworkplace.com. On there, you will see announcements about a, um, well, you'll, you'll find several things. One, there will be our complete library of podcasts, 130, 32 shows. The podcasts are there for you to download, but there's also a beautiful menu of all 130 shows described, and they are put in menu form. So they're put by categories. The meat is here, breakfast is over there, you can have dessert there. They're in categories based on uh, 5S, visual leadership, uh, smart simple design, which is tangentially uh, uh, a visually connected event. They're all by categories. And they're there, you can download that menu. It's a PDF file. We add to it every week. And you'll see all of the shows there. You can download them or you can listen to them right there from our website, visualworkplace.com. You will also find on the lower right of the homepage the announcements of our upcoming public seminars. May, June, and the beginning of July, I tell you, there'll be nothing left of me. I've been trying to lose weight all across the winter. I think it's going to happen in May and June. I will be in Oklahoma City doing visual workplace, visual thinking on May the 14th and 15th. We'll do an excellent visual site assessment of Kim Ray. Uh, in Oklahoma City as the second day. On June 3rd, 4th, and 5th, we'll be in Portland, Oregon, my home city. We'll be doing uh, the Visual Thinking Seminar followed by the Visual Leadership Seminar, much of what we're talking about in in this series, and followed by a Visual Site Assessment of Benchmade Knife. Really fine company. Oh, what wonderful people there and what a wonderful product. Beautiful, beautiful product. On June 11th and 12th, I'll be in England. Uh, we will be doing visual thinking on the 11th and on the 12th. We'll be going, this is in Cambridge, to Hotel Chocolat, which is a great chocolate factory. I'll tell you, you think you died or went to heaven. And they All they do is give you samples, great vats of chocolate. And they are very, very good chocolatiers. They own their own island where they grow their chocolate. I mean, this is really vertically integrated. <laughs> they got to deal with Mother Nature. They're their, she's their chief co- uh, client. <laughs> so that's the 11th and 12th. On June 17th and 18th, we'll be in Nottingham at the Royal Mail, and we'll be doing the visual leadership, but two days, so there'll be a workshop the second day. I recommend all of these. You know, I love my work, and I think that you will too. <laughs> that's what I think. So that's June the 18th. I come home about a week later. I go to China. And all I know is I'm going to be there for two weeks in the Shanghai area, and we will be doing visual thinking and probably uh, one or two side assessments. Details are coming our way. They're incoming. 
any day now we'll get them from our good friend Stephen Lee in China, and uh, we will be able to share them with you. So two more things I will tell you. I am trying to get interviews underway. I know you're tired of the sound of my voice, but you know what? Uh, It has served me very, very well. (laughs) So we're, we're looking into that. And I'll also... The smart, wait, let me do this right. Ta-da, ta-da. The smart, simple design book went to the designer, wonderful designer in Australia on Monday, Iwan Sujono. This guy has such an eye for beauty and aesthetics, and that is one of the things I love about my books, and we spend really big bucks making it happen, is we want our books to be beautiful. And he has an extraordinary sense of beauty and aesthetics. So um, we will be publishing that book separately under a, what's called a separate ISBN, an ISBN. It's a separate book. There's a lot of new material. And if you're a collector, get on eBay and get my book from 1994 because th- this is the last time you're going to see it. It's going to disappear <laughs> when the new book comes out, we think, in May. And uh, the old one will be a, uh, what shall I call it, a collector's item. (laughs) So as soon as we come back from a break, we're going into a break in just a moment, uh, we will uh, start our um, show on stack metrics, and we will complete the story that I left you with last week, the cliffhanger, the one that was, and what they wanted to measure was dirt. So we'll pick it up there as soon as we come back. See you in a minute. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Revez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Listening to The Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's toll free 1 866 472 5790. Or send an email to radio 
at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth at the Visual Workplace, and we are in the second segment of our show. And today we are going to delve more deeply into metrics, visual metrics, metrics that illuminate cause, stacked metrics. Last week we established the importance of finding the voice of the user, the voice of the person you want to improve that metric. When we solicit improvement, we have to make sure that the metric is of interest to the person who is being asked to get involved with that. Your teams, operators in this case, but it can happen on every level, including the management level. Management level is more used to and more attracted to abstractions, but on the operator level, on the value-add level, it better talk about me. I need to be able to see myself in that metric, and we learned that last week with the guy with the three convenience stores who were two, and the stores were 2.09% short of their quarterly revenue goal. And he translated that, he stepped that down so that instead of going to sleep during this report, this quarterly report, his three, stand, three store managers sat up straight, took their face out of their pizza where they had previously fallen asleep, and listened to the step down, $244,000, just $1,000 short of a quarter of a million, step down too. All you have to do, all we have to do is sell $26.87 more an hour, and we'll make that goal. He stepped it down until the store manager said, I can do that. I can do that, and you know that what? I can sell that to the people who work in my store. And thank you, Mr. Owner, for stepping this down so that I can see myself in the solution. Instead of seeing the bad performance as your problem, which is what I see when I see 2.09 short of the quarterly goal. So a 2.2% of anything is not much. What's that got to do with me? But when you put it in terms, in language that I understand with the I in it, the I of the self, the I of identify, then I say, you know, I can do that. And I can do it better than you could ever imagine. That's going to be easy, Right? Suddenly we have the heart of the person and we have their mind because they're already crafting ways of making that happen because they see themselves in the metric. So that's what we talked about last week. I'm making the point again now, the voice of the user. And last week I was giving you a story that demonstrated this in yet another way and I'm going to finish that story now and then I'm going to go on to stack metrics. So the scene is Pratt & Whitney, their Southington, Connecticut plant. It's an overhaul and repair plant. The occasion was an invitation for me to come on site and help a department with in-depth problem solving. This is 1986, 85 maybe, but I think it was 1986 we had been working with Pratt in Connecticut. Hmm? And I was deeply involved with problem solving called CDAC. Cause and effect diagram with the addition of cause uh, cards, which I'm going to spend a couple of shows on after I set up the metrics. 
And I went in there to use this technique, which is very powerful, where Yuji Fukuda gave it to me and gave it to the company I was working with, Productivity, 1983-84. But then he asked me to develop it so that Western audiences, similar to Shingo asking me to develop Pokeyoke for Western audiences, so that Western audiences would be able to see its power and use it. And I did many, 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 many months of development such that Fukuda has given me permission to, to use it for the rest of my life, and I thank you, Sensei. Anyway, I come in, and the plant manager already had what he wanted us to attack. He said, look, our standard hours are lousy. Our client, the government, doesn't like that we're always late. This is 25, 30, 30 years ago. We're always late. We're overhauling and repairing plane engines. And the bottleneck seems to be the second operation in the process. I want you to go in there. That's the first level of machining or remachining. I want you to go in there and get them to align with their standard hours, work on their standard hours. So the first operation was disassembling the engines and washing the parts, preparing them so that they would be clean and separate at the start of the machining process, the overhaul and repair process. So I met with, I got my orders, and, I'm, and this guy was very tightly bound, so I listened carefully because there was a lot of threat around him. He liked to throw threat around a lot. <laughs> I was very susceptible. I met with a group from the second operations, and they seemed pretty grumpy to begin with. And I shared with them the proposition that their boss wanted them to work on improving their standard hours so the contract could be met on time delivery. Well, I was young in my career, like I say, 1985-86, and I didn't get the problem with that problem proposition, but the operators did. The room got very dark, very, very dark, very, very quick. Because the operators knew what I didn't, that the problem was that we were looking at the wrong thing. That the boss thought that if they improved their delivery of standard hours, they would improve their standard hours. In other words, if you improve your value-adding segment of, of your day, you're going to improve your day. Nonsense. He had not learned about and I had learned about but hadn't made the connection as deeply as, the, as these operators had, that what you work on is the non-value-adding part of the equation. You improve that, and that liberates your standard hours so you can meet them. Anyway, they knew that instantly. I learned it. It took about 12 minutes. This was the first great lesson in my career. It was just so important. So they looked very grumpy, and I said to them, I said, what's going on? You guys do not look happy. What's going on? And they said, we don't want to measure our standard hours. That's not the problem. And I said, well, what do you want to measure? And they said, those son of a guns, they said, give us a minute. So, you know, take a walk, lady, come back in about five minutes is basically what happened. I said, okay, I'm going to go get a drink of water. I'll be back in about five minutes. And they, while I wasn't there, conferred among themselves. I came back. I said, well, okay, come on, guys. What are we going to do? What do you want to measure? 
And they said, we want to measure dirt. And of course, I said, what? (laughs) What? We want to measure dirt. I said, okay, so tell me what that is because it's code to me right now. What do you mean by dirt? Don't you understand? They said to me, we get these parts from upstream, the first operation of taking the engines apart and cleaning them, we get them dirty. And we have to clean them before we can machine them, before we can work them, before we can do anything, including diagnose them. We have to clean them, and that's what's eating up our time. That's what's impacting our on-time delivery. The dirt is. Oh, my gosh, it came to me in a flash. They wanted to measure that which was out of their control because it was impacting them. Even though they didn't have control over it, they wanted to measure it. And this is not an orthodox way to measure. You always measure what you can control because you identify with it and then you can change it. But they would have none of it. I could not get them on my side or on the side of deep problem solving, changing that metric until they went after what they considered to be the culprit, which was the upstream activity. And I said, okay, let's do it. But we're going to be very elegant about it, and we're going to be very polite. What do you need? And they said they needed tiny scales. They needed scales to measure small weights. And over the next month, they tracked molecule by molecule of dirt, the weight of the dirt that they scraped off of, the parts, the engine parts that came to them from the upstream activity, upstream operation, to demonstrate how much time it took them to prepare what was supposed to be delivered to them ready. And, of course, that immediately connected Operations 2 with Operations 1. And, you know, I had to facilitate that so that it was still friendly. And the Operations One people, they really didn't know that they weren't doing a proper job. This is way back when. Where quality, we could hardly spell the word. All this stuff was new to us. And we created a cross-functional team. We had, they had the evidence. They had the metric. They had scraped off that dirt and they weighed it and they kept track of it meticulously. I'd give my eye teeth to have a picture of that chart right now. But I didn't realize how extraordinary that moment was. But there we have it, the voice of the user. Step down. You cannot ask people. They will not do this for you. They will not measure and improve if they feel that it's not their fault. Now, we'll deal with that again in a moment in a different way. But that is one of the problems with the KPIs. KPIs are a kind of roll-up metric that gives you a general idea of what's going on. Even at its most granular, it is not granular enough. It isn't granular, that means detailed enough for me to see myself in it. It is always distant and cool. And so supervisors spend most of their time trying to get people whipped up and motivated to change a metric they basically don't care about. We're going to deal with that next. But this is a demonstration. If you have that, then you you must find the eye. You must find the voice of the user 
in order for you to take measurement systems into problem solving without having to sell it and beat it and motivate it and be on people's case all the time. You want that motivation to be internal. And it will only be internal if we identify with the metric. And in this case, an extreme case, they identified with the metric by saying it's not our fault. And they became diligent. They weighed that dirt. You know, milliweights of dirt. They weighed it. They tracked it. They did an absolutely extraordinary job of tracking the metric in detail. And it was my job to facilitate the sharing of that knowledge. And the change happened. And then we could get on to, okay, what can we do to improve our process within this department now that we got that addressed? And if you have to begin there, begin there. Because what you're doing is you aren't just winning the hearts and the minds of the people that you're responsible for supporting and leading, but you are igniting those minds and those hearts. You're engaging them. They are enrolling in your vision of a destination, which is improvement. And that is your role, supervisors. So we talked about using visual displays to give you margin. Use the margin in this way. Focus on, on your metrics. This will, now you'll have, instead of just yourself, you'll have a team of 17, 20, 30, 50, 60 people helping you on this mission to reach a destination that corporate has set. So we'll pick up the stacked part of visual metrics next. I hope that you understand what the change is from KPIs. I will keep beating that particular horse, but I hope you also are motivated to use this because I'm giving you the detail of how to use it. I can map that out again, and I'll do so. I'll do my best to do so before the end of the show. All right, (laughs) we're going into a break. See you in a minute. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Game-changing technologies are transformational, exciting, and disruptive for a reason. They shake up the status quo. They get you thinking about new ways to scale, compete, and grow. They move you in amazing new directions. You're invited to take a coffee break with Game Changers on Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time for our special series on today's top big data innovators. Learn about emerging big trends and technologies and how you can grow your business and profit. Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP on the Business Channel. 
it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back. This is our third segment of the Visual Workplace today. My name is Gwendolyn Galsworth. I'm your host. I'm a kind of specialist in the Visual Workplace, and right now we're doing a series. We're in our 12th show. That means our third month of a series on visual leadership, and we have a lot, a long way to go, a long way to go. But I I am really hoping that you find this series particularly relevant to your job. If you are a manager or a supervisor, I am talking directly to you. If you are an executive, a site manager, a GM, then I'd like you to know about these systems so that you can begin to shift, I hope, your expectations of your leadership on the shop floor level and eventually what we discuss in terms of you. We'll get to that soon. I'm very anxious to talk to you directly, but I want to build this case so you understand that supervisors, managers are in a position to lead. Visuality will help them, but the right mindset, the right understanding of visuality is critical, and you need to choose the tools. And there are three of them for supervisors. There's actually a cluster of two as the second set. The first one is the visual display the pain of the supervisor so that you capture it and you're able to address that pain, first see it and then address it. That's visual displays at the top of the triangle. The second, moving clockwise, is visual metrics, which we've been talking about for four or five shows now. Understanding that this is a new type of metric, it is not a KPI, you're not going to get rid of your KPIs, but you're also not going to expect your KPI to do what it cannot, what it structurally cannot do. It cannot help you lead. It can show you that there are problems because it does a good job in monitoring and tracking problems, but it cannot do what you need, which is you need to illuminate cause. Only when you get down to the granularity of cause will the individuals who are contributing to those bad effects, those bad outcomes, contributing in their innocence to that, only then will they get involved in changing it, changing themselves, changing it, changing the outcomes. Hand in hand with that, still at the second part, the second corner of the pyramid, the supervisor pyramid, is problem solving, which is directly connected to powerful metrics, visual metrics, stack metrics. And then later on, We'll do the operations roadmap, which is so closely aligned with what senior managers are doing that we will have to, at that point, as soon as we finish problem solving, move into the executive model and then come back to the operations roadmap. So that's the big picture. Right before the break, we were talking about the importance of getting the voice of the user And what we meant by the voice of the user, by having metrics where I can identify with it because I see myself both in the problem but also as part of the solution. 
And if you don't measure what people think is the problem, and they know, I promise you, they know what the problem is. All those KPIs are just dressing. They're just cosmetic. They have nothing to do with what's really going on here. You'll hear this again and again from operators. What's really going on is, mm, and what they're going to talk about is some component of a KPI, but it is not shown on the board of KPIs. That's why it's so hard to motivate operators to get behind your KPIs. You put them up so prettily. They're in color. They're on wheels. You can rotate them. You can take them to lunch if you want to, but they are still not partners for the user, that voice, the eye. And so you get a half-hearted response instead of a vital, riveted, scientific response. We've been wielding Companies have been wielding KPIs for the last 20 years. They've been wag- uh, waving that flag. Too much. Too much. It was discovered it was a good thing, but it wasn't that good. It isn't that good. KPIs are here to stay, but they're not that good. They may be revolutionary, and if they are, that for your company to, to, to track anything. But if that is so, then you are in the early part of your journey because you can and must expect more. You must expect your measurement system to be compelling. So I want to unnest that now. Once you find the voice of the user, and you can do it as simply as, what do you want to measure? Look at these KPIs. You can do it this way. Look at these 30 KPIs. Which one's... Uh, do you call to? And you have people do this individual, right? Your favorite three. Or the three you hate the most. And then you take a poll. You spend a half an hour saying, let's talk about KPIs. At the end of this 30 minutes, you know what I want? I want to know what you would prefer to measure. Now, I'm not saying we are going to measure it, but we're, we probably are going to measure it. But I want to see your thinking. I know what my thinking is. I'm going to keep it to myself. I want to know your thinking. What do you want to measure? You are not giving up, supervisors, you're not giving up your power or your leadership when you do that. Instead, you are being a leader of improvement because you know that you can only take a team that is willing where you want to go. They will come to you with their body, but you need their hearts and their mind in order to reach the destination. You need a beating intelligence and a refined organism that we call the human being. You need all of me, all of me. This is the value of respect the individual. You want to operationalize it? This is what it looks and sounds like. When you say, what do you want to measure? You aren't being facetious or specious or gratuitous or slimy or insincere. And they all mean the same thing, slimy and insincere. You are being genuine, but you are also being strategic because you need this. You need to start somewhere. And let me say, start where the eye is. After that, it doesn't matter. Go with what they say. You may have a number of choices, four, five, six and you calibrate it, and you can make an executive decision. You can say, look, we've got five or six choices. I want to begin here. I kind of throw my voice on this one. Can we pick up the other ones later? Would you be willing to go with that? This isn't the semblance of democracy. This is you leading and getting movement forward. 
So we're going to work on the others, but let's start here. Because you know, and I want you to know this, that wherever you start, here is the entrance to everything. Because your department is a dynamic, closed system, just as your body is, when you change one thing in it, you change everything. When you change one thing in your body, you change everything. It's a dynamic, closed system. It feeds back on itself. So when you change a metric, it will ripple through. This is Obi-Wan Kenobi. I feel a tremor in the force. He was talking about galaxies. We're talking about your department. If it's true for galaxies, it's going to be true for you. (laughs) Some of you know what I just did. So it's the same way with your departments and your measurement system, your department and your measurement system. Choose a metric, any metric. Take the one that is of interest to the user. Do that, please. Make sure it's in their voice so they can hear it and they want it. They want to change it. They want to impact it. It is within their control or like our dirt story, it is out of their control, but so important that you can't start anywhere else because they are so annoyed at upstream and at the boss who says they're not meeting their standard hours. Make sure people identify with it. Choose that. Choose that. We own it. Start your measurement there. And then, instead of the KPIs that monitor improvement, you have now wrapped your arms around a metric, I call it a visual metric, that will take you the distance. It will illuminate cause. And the way that it illuminates cause is like this. When we put a dot because of an occurrence, let's just say it's a defect. Everybody says, I am so hassled by these defects. Every time we make a mistake like this and get a defect like that, it eats my lunch. Because I know we can do better. This is the voice of your operators, let us say. And they put their dot in place and let them. It's important that you let them put their dot in place just as though it's a KPI. And they'll say, boss, I don't see what's different. We're putting a dot just the way we did yesterday. Yeah, but let's see what we do next. I need that first dot that you have. Okay, the first dot is in place on a graph. We have seven defects on a graph that looks like a KPI. But now we're going to do something different. We're going to ask a compelling question. And you have to answer it. And that question is, what's in that dot? What's in that dot? The dot is a data point on a KPI chart or on a visual metrics chart. But when we say what's in that dot, we want it to explode. We want to look inside. We want to see and stratify or segment or stack. All three words are the same, stratify, segment, stack. The causes or factors that contributed to that dot. What's in that dot? So your first is, find in, in creating a visual metric, find the voice of the user, capture a metric like that, put your dot, how many? The dot is just counting, how many? Seven. Seven in the first hour, very good. Seven in the first day, if you must. 
because that's your system right now. You'll get back to, you'll, you'll eventually go into the first hour. But then you ask this fantastic question, what's in that dot? And maybe people will look at you like you've got three heads with that question. But then you take them into, tell me some of the factors that contribute to this dot. What makes this dot happen? What are the causes of this dot? And they're generally not one thing. They're usually a myriad of things. Six, seven, eight factors. And we'll talk about those right after the break because we have our last break of today's show right now. See you in a minute. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Are you looking for innovative ideas on how to achieve your financial dreams? Tune in to Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday afternoon at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Join certified financial planners Ken Smith and Ethan Broga to learn how you can obtain financial success. You'll be entertained while you discover techniques to alleviate your financial concerns. Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, this is Gwendolyn. Hi. So we are talking about visual metrics as a tool for visual leadership on the supervisory level. This will have a corollary and a very powerful one on the executive level when we get into the war room. There will be stacked metrics that illuminate cause that will change the way that you lead improvement on a senior level because you're not just going to lead it, you're going to drive it. You're going to drive it because you will be able to see the causal chain. You will drive it because you will be able to see the causal chain through these metrics. On the supervisory level, you want your operators to participate in this because they need to become the scientists of their own process. That means they need to understand their process. They need to be able to map it and diagnose it. And in diagnose it, in diagnosing it, 
bring them closer to changing it, improving it by illuminating cause. So you say to them what's in that dot. And some of the, let's just say it's about defects. An easy example. You're going to segment that dot. And you're going to say what's in that dot. And you can do a simple little relations diagram. You can, or you can pass out sticky notes and say, I want you to write down all of the factors or, if you will, the reasons that we got seven defects yesterday or in the last hour, depending on how you slice it. You can begin with yesterday. You can even begin with last week because right now you want to uh, teach the operators what are the mechanics of this new kind of metric. And let everybody in silence write on a little post-it clearly, putting their initial at the bottom so that you know who thought of it in case you need to ask follow-on questions. What caused the dot? What caused those seven defects? And some people, and by the way, always, 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 when you give a writing exercise, you are, as the supervisor, facilitator, teacher, coach, responsible to know who is literate and who is not, who is functionally literate. And if you know people in your group are not, but you still want to capitalize on them, you have to respect and guard their, their deficiency. And you just do it by, if you don't feel like writing today, find a buddy. People will know exactly why you're doing it, but you'll be doing it with elegance and respect and give people a chance to contribute and not be stopped by their embarrassment. Just say, find a buddy. Let's buddy up, everybody. In fact, that's even better. Everybody buddies up so that it, it isn't just a buddy up with somebody who can't write with somebody who can write. I want you to work in pairs, and I want one person to dictate. The other person can write. That's a footnote. And so on the part where we're at right now, people will say, well, the material is bad in one case. That's one reason. Other thing is, I was new to this procedure. It was a a a new spec, and I hadn't learned how to handle the wrench for that new spec. The wrench was wrong anyway. I'm now up to five reasons. One is that the material was bad, spec was new, I was new, the wrench was wrong, that's four. There was a fifth one in there somewhere. I have five different categories of causes. It might be, it was right after lunch and they served us that chocolate cake after lunch and honestly, I was falling asleep. You're unlikely to get that level of granularity. In your first pass, that's a real (laughs) self-confession. Very good insight. So you take what you have and you say, okay, what we just did was found out what was in the dot. Now what we're going to do is we're going to stack them. Now it could be that three of those defects were caused by the wrench being the wrong wrench. We don't quite have the right wrench yet for putting in that insertion. Because of the design of the part, it's very hard to get to. We don't have a line of sight. It's awkward. We don't get a full, a full grab. That's one set of causes. Let's say it is, okay? Bear with me. Let's have another set of causes. May I say, Marianne, because you said so, that you're new to the spec? You're new to this particular procedure? 
and maybe didn't accomplish it as well. And and she'll say, I know that's why, because I remember my struggle, and then the KPI showed up. I thought I did it right, but I know I caused that one. And And so we say, new to the spec as a second cause. You see, we're beginning to segment the dot. And what you're doing is while you are collecting the metric, you are problem solving because you're illuminating cause. So that when you actually get to the problem solving piece, you are so powerfully positioned to come up with tremendous, useful, relevant solutions. Not a silver bullet, but many golden bullets. You're stacking your metric. When we get to the war room, I will show you how to do it with the big metric called overtime and how to get it down to tremendous granularity that the plant manager in this one case did drive. But that's a different story on a different level. I should say that's the same story, but on a different level. Your stack metric, you stack your metric, and then day by day, and then you always, always, always have a category called other, the mystery the black box. I don't know what it is. We have seven metric, seven defects. We've been able to identify very, very possible causes for five of them, but two of them we simply don't know. And just in collecting the metric, you are already pe- getting people engaged. And when you send them back to their line, you say, pay attention. Pay attention to these causes because they are currently living in our house. Watch them behave. Keep track of them. Now, with a stack metric, you will begin, usually begin, with very cool causes, meaning distant, not me. I will still be identifying them, but later, as things progress and people begin to trust the system and also get engaged on a level of compelling interest, you will find that they'll say things like, well, you know, to tell you the truth, I think that a major cause, if we look at this, is the time of day. This, these, cause, these defects all happened between 6.40 and 8.10. And I think we need to look at that. Or you may say, look, I want to make a confession. Somebody may say this. Five of those seven causes happened on my bench. I need help. So as people get closer and closer to the truth, they actually trust the system more. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? KPIs are here to stay. Key performance, key process indicators here to stay, but they do not reveal cause. And because they do not, you can't go any further than just beating each other over the head. Visual metrics, stack metrics, segmented, stratified metrics allow you to go into the dot and become engaged, vitally engaged, and interested in what happens next, in improving I hope you're as excited about this as I am because I'm very excited just sharing this with you. I've been doing this work for 20 years, and I'm so excited to be sharing this with you, so many of you. We have about 70,000 people listening every month, and, and I want you to change the way you're doing things. 
because it will help you. It will give you a sense of goodness at work and joy at work and flow and contribution. We'll pick up metrics next week, one more round of metrics, and then we'll move into problem solving. I just want to finish up some pieces. Oh, we're going to do a mailbag because we've been getting many emails. Darn it, I meant to tell you. So we may do a mailbag next week when we may we may wait one more week. But I got to go. I'm getting a hairy eyeball from Kevin. <laughs> and I got, I'm going to be in trouble if I don't say, this is Gwendolyn Galsworth and I'm signing off. Looking forward to the next time. appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening. Music.